Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta, and the NBA did not start in Atlanta tonight. Uh, the Hawks came out of the draft lottery with the number 8 and number 10 picks. I saw some things to the contrary, but in actuality, the Hawks had worse odds of getting number 8 than they did number 1, and they still <laughs> ended up with number 8. Tyler, who do I have to blame for this nonsense? Um, I guess you blame Adam Silver for, you know, overreacting to one season where, like, there were <laughs> like he just overreacted and decided to change the lottery rules. Like, there was nothing relatively wrong with the lottery. It it served its purpose in the sense that, you know. Typically, the three or you know the three worst teams got you you know they got relatively what they needed out of the lottery. You know it, it probably wasn't always ideal for those three teams, but the three teams that usually have the worst record in the NBA are you know terrible, and they typically have the best odds. They should have the best odds to get number one overall pick, overwhelming odds. And now with the lottery being flattened, we're probably going to see. It's more likely that we're going to see more lotteries where, you know, the the team that gets the number one overall pick is going to be in the 8, 9, 10, level 12 range. And I can see that some people think that's a good thing. But to me, like, those are the teams that take the hardest. Um, You know, as we saw with this, you know, we saw in this past lottery with the Pelicans and Lakers, you know, going one and four, you know, those teams were playoff caliber teams. Um, You know, if, they had better injury luck and you know if AD didn't you know quit on the season um <laughs> yeah how many games you know, did, those, he, uh, did he miss in order to make all this magic happen i mean it's incredible <laughs> like he just stopped playing after what february Ooh. and the season didn't it, or was it january like when did he when did the trade regardless <laughs> like like his season ended like after half a season ago and now the Lakers like both the Lakers and the Pelicans benefited from that from that trade request. So from the you fiasco. Know, smooth on A D. Yeah. They so. both put it on cruise control and they both came out winners. Yeah, but those are the I mean those are the teams that obviously tank because you know, when you're out of the playoffs, you know, those teams have nothing to play off, play for anymore. So it you know it 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 intensify it's you know it just makes sense for them to just, you know, sit there starters. Whereas, you know, the Bulls, Bulls weren't tanking. The Bulls sucked all through the season. Like the Knicks, the Knicks had the least amount of talent in the NBA this year. 
You know, those teams weren't tanking. Like, the Mavericks were tanking. Uh, so, like, now it's going to be teams that are, you know, the 30 to 35 range who are going to get – who there's always going to be probably one or two teams every – you know, lottery, every lottery just based on the odds, the statistical odds, those teams are going to be rewarded for tanking. So, uh, you know, it's not, you know, it sucks to be for Hawks fans because, but like to me, if the Hawks didn't get number one, uh, kind of didn't matter. Like, I, I don't, there's not really that big of a talent gulf to me between uh, two through, I don't know. 12, 13, 14 in this draft, uh, just so based on pure talent, right. not based on skill and production at the moment. You know, there's clearly a skill difference, but on a pure talent side, like the Hawks are going to get somebody relatively talented at 8 and 10. Sure. And, you know, it, this, this is why Schlenk traded down for an additional lottery pick to, you know, hedge his bets, not, you know, not put everything, not put all his eggs in one basket, you know, and you can see that, you know, Slank got rewarded for it. And since not, we got two lottery picks, you get two shots at the apple, so to speak. Um, and, you know, hopefully they can, you know, draft the right guy and develop him so that they can get a good player out of it. Right. And if you look what Slank's done in the first round so far, it's Trey Young at five, John Collins at 19, Kevin Herter at 19, you know, eight and 10 fall in between there. And it seems like there's enough talent in this draft that he'll figure out. What's good? Now, I I say all this. This this draft it's still a is not a, I mean, it's not a good draft. I, I'm I'm speaking on a pure like, just pure physical talent. I'm not even talking about basketball talent right, right. now because uh, eight eight to ten like Hawks are looking at some some guys that need that need to work on their game. Um, oh, for sure. You know, I, I you know there's some guys I like for the Hawks to take just because I, I have faith in their ability to develop talent properly. But at the same time, I have, you know, it's, you know, it, this, this isn't great for the sense that, you know, it probably takes them out of the Culver and DeAndre Hunter sweepstakes. And yep. while, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant on Hunter. I'd love Hunter at eight or, you know, oh, but he's not going to be there at eight based on yeah. this draft. <laughs> yeah. And Culver is definitely gone before then. And yeah, Probably so is Reddish just on a you know his pure skill and size you know his skill size and talent. Sure, you know he didn't produce, so it's going to be, you know it's going to be a I was the beholder at eight and ten uh, for the Hawks. But again, you know the, the Hawks have two chances to get it right, and you know with the talent they already have on the roster and what Schlenk has already done, like. It's not. It's not this existential crisis that they're going through. Like, oh man, they're not going to get anybody of value. No. Like, you know, the Hawks could take some flyers on some dudes. Uh, two guys I like is, you know, Nasir Little, right, uh, from North Carolina, and then um, Seko Seko Dumbuye, I believe right. is how you say his last name. He's out of France. Like, those are two guys who Slink will probably be interested in drafting just based on their physical profile. Um, but uh, you know it. Like I said, it's not it's not great if you're a Hawks fan with some Zion wins and dreams, but you know it is what it is. Uh, that that's just how the lottery works. It's not it's not fair. It's just raw. You know, it's just <laughs> math. pure odds. It's and, math. Yeah, I like math. I'm a math teacher. Yeah, but it's the it's the <laughs> it's 
it, what hurts is that, you know, nobody has control over the lottery, and that's why nobody likes it. Like, I mean, nobody likes it except for the teams that benefit from it, where it's just you don't – there's no skill involved. There's no gaming the system. At the end of the day, the odds are the odds, and, uh, you know, it was more likely that the Hawks weren't going to be in the uh, – weren't going to be in the top four. Uh, and so that, that's just how, that's, that's just how it goes. Any thoughts of, on uh, David Griffin winning the lottery for the fourth time as a general manager? Fourth time out of five chances. That's just incredible. Like that's, you can't like, that is remarkable. I, I thought I, I honestly, I was like, I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, wait a minute. Has David Griffin ever lost? And like, no, he lost one year. What did he get? Was and that then, the Tristan Thompson? I'm trying to think who it was. They had Tristan Thompson at four. No, they got Kyrie Irving. That was Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson. Um, oh, so they won. They won Kyrie. Yeah. They won Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. They won uh, that other dude who got the league now. And yeah, I don't I can't remember. What I think David was. Griffin was somewhere else. He wasn't. With, he wasn't with the Cavs when they won LeBron James. But uh, no, that's right. Well, that's yeah. So. Else. So that's you know that's good good on him, uh, you know, to win this one right here. Uh, no, you're I. Uh, yeah, I mean the Pelicans like AD bye bye Zion here we go like actually Davis' reputation is not going to recover if Zion like if Zion if this Pelicans team if they trade AD for like quality young guys right. and then they make the playoffs like Anthony Davis reputation is just not going to recover like it doesn't matter where he goes like it this is this is really the worst case scenario for him as a player because he can't go back to normal like that those bridges are burnt oh yeah um, they can talk the game all they want the fans will not accept AD back and they can't like they might as well start fresh even though a Zion AD Perry is a perfect match um, but I thought it was funny that like, the Lakers I, sent Kyle Kuzma because it's like, oh yeah, they sent Kyle Kuzma to the lottery hoping to get Zion Williamson, and it's like, well, the Lakers aren't going to get Zion Williamson, but Kyle Kuzma might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah, you might be it. playing with him. <laughs> His new teammate. So, um, yeah, I mean, this that really broke broke well for LeBron James and the Lakers. Uh, you know, yeah. They, kudos they to that management group. So uh, it's it's been a while since we've recorded. Uh, I'm actually in the basement of someone else's house, so I feel like I'm a true podcaster blogger tonight. Uh, but to catch up on a couple of things that we haven't quite tracked on our radar because we haven't tracked anything in a while. Uh, do you have any feelings on Lloyd Pierce being named as an assistant coach for USA Basketball? Uh, you know, that's good for him. No, it doesn't. I don't care. Does um, it change anything you know. in terms of recruiting or getting out? That no, 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 no none of that matters. None <laughs> of that matters. Uh, the players matter more. I mean, if like I, the only or maybe guys, just like not that recruit. Maybe not even a positive like, sense, but in a non-negative sense. Hey, this guy's not a shithead. You know, it might be okay to go play in Atlanta. And I don't mean that in any kind of demeaning way about Pierce, but just. You know, he gets a little more exposure. I mean, for him, like, yeah, it, it's a great, 
it's great for Lloyd Pierce's career. I'm, I'm just speaking for like the Hawks. I don't see how, you know, Lord Lloyd Pierce being an assistant coach is going to. It's not going to hurt right. the Hawks, you know, ability to recruit top end free agents. But like when we say top end free agents, what we mean is Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and like there's there's no such thing as recruiting those guys. Those guys decide where they want to go. Sure, you know, like. But you what know, about like the next generation though? What if he gets a guy who's 22 now not quite a top tier guy now but maybe when that guy is 27 and is a top tier guy there's some past exposure i I guess something to think about i could change the topic to something more palatable how about uh this you know in the in the last couple of days it's been really weird there's been you know it's not happening now but just the whole phenomenon about people saying "Ooh." I want Zion to go to Atlanta. And that was just like the prevailing sentiment, not not from people from Atlanta. That was like the prevailing sentiment about, you know, f- from every national person that actually put something out there stating a preference. It seemed like 80% of those preferences were, oh, let, let's get him in Atlanta. That would be fun. Is, is that kind of weird? Is is that a good sign? I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? that weird phenomenon that seemed to take hold that really doesn't matter, but maybe it says something bigger. Um, I mean, it, it goes to what would recruit players are going to play for Atlanta is that, you know, everybody wants to see Trey Young play with good basketball players. Um, and, you know, Trey Zion would have been fun. So, you know, I, I don't think it's anything more than that. The Hawks have a collection of young talent that people want to see, uh, you know, be a thing. Uh, you look at the alternatives, like, you know, now with Zion going to the Pelicans, uh, it's not a bad situation for him. Actually, it's probably, like, for Zion Williamson, the basketball player, it's actually a pretty good landing spot for him, all things considered. Really? But, you know, from a, from a fan I mean, it's better than, yeah, I guess I it's better than, like, the Suns I mean, he's playing, he's playing with a, he's playing, he's playing with a, a very right. good coach. Uh, and, and a good point. Gentry. You know, he, he has also, a guard. In, in Drew Holiday. You know, the Pelicans the Pelicans got, um, you know, uh, David Griffin to clean up the organization now. They're going to be right. ran like an NBA team. And they're going to get good basketball players for trading AD yep. um, whether, wherever they go. So, like, that's a good that's, base. Like, that's a good that's right. young talent base that, you know, and then also getting to play alongside one of the best two-way players in the league and Drew Holiday. Like, that's, that's a great situation for him as a basketball player. For the but I could see why fans would rather, you know, the Hawks have, you know, you know, not Hawks fans, but you know, outside fans want to see Zion Williams play for Atlanta, play for the Hawks. You know, they were like a lot of a lot of people took notice that the Hawks were fun to watch uh, for the end of the season. Like that's just objectionable truth. And so, you know, they want to see one of the most gifted basketball players, you know, the gifted prospects that ever come out of the. Uh, come out of college, go to Atlanta. So I, I don't. I mean, it's a positive clearly in that you know people have interest, you know, who aren't Hawks fans in watching the Hawks. Um, that's not something that's always been the case, but it's not. It's not some groundbreaking thing to me. Okay. Uh, I have. I didn't clear any of this stuff with you beforehand, so I'm just spitballing against the wall here, but. Uh... If you have no strong feelings on, we can pass quickly. But do you, did have you tracked any of the people that have come in for Hawks workouts? 
to this point. I think we're one or two weeks into it. We're talking about guys that are probably late second rounders or undrafted types. Uh, in those lists of names, if you have tracked them at all, is there anybody that caught your eye as, oh, that might be interesting? Is his name Zach Norvell from Gonzaga? Yes. The uh, Yeah, the, 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 the two-guard. Yeah, he's interesting. Uh, he's probably – he's one of the guys I knew. Um, the rest were just names. Like, I, I just don't you – know, I, yeah, I haven't gone that deep into the draft. And as and a so plug here, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I will sometime in the next couple of days put up another podcast with interviews with some of these folks, including Norvell and uh, – you know, I've been slacking on my podcasting duties lately, lately but I, I will catch up and uh, there will be some content uh, focusing on those types, including Norvell sometime soon. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some other gyms, like no slight to the other guys. I just knew Norvell, he played for, you know, famous college and he's been on, he's been consistently in the top 60 on most draft boards. He's probably a high second round draft pick, so. The Hawks could potentially draft him. Um, you know, he's a pretty good shooter, and he's got some—he's got okay size, but uh, you know, he's a—he's a decent prospect for where, for how early in the process that the Hawks got him in there. So uh, yeah, that's that's, that's probably the one guy. So many um, Gonzaga but, guys but that, and so many Nevada guys. I swear, like you could put together an entire like summer league roster just to just with the Gonzaga and Nevada guys that have been so far. Yeah, I mean they, I mean especially Gonzaga. Gonzaga was a loaded team. Yeah. Um, they got a lot of talent, so it's a good. No, no surprise on that front. All right, anything? I, I we want to talk playoffs. The last series, the series coming up. We're recording uh, while the Warriors and Blazers are playing. I know that I'm not in front of a TV, so that the game is in progress. But uh, I, I haven't seen one whit about it. Uh, are you watching it? <laughs> As we uh, go I was here, Braves. you're watching the Braves. I was watching right. the Braves. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so uh, we'll go into so. this roughly blind. And uh, did you have any prevailing thoughts from from the last round? Any any um, series that struck you as interesting, in, worthy of note? Well, well, if we we can bring it back to relatively hawk century, a thing thing to note is that you know. The ability to finish through contact is an underrated skill, apparently, because, you know, people, guys just look look at um, what, what you know, certain basketball players shoot at the rim. It's over 60%, and they lump, you know, they lump finish everybody in one bracket. Like, if you're above 60%, like, you're the same, and, you know, so we got to pay you this certain bracket. Um there's a clear difference when the playoffs happen and, you know, teams are more physical and you have to finish these, these attempts when, when your guard or, or your creator gets you a look around the rim mm -hmm. and you got to go through a guy to finish through contact and you're not going to get fouled, but you have to finish. And, you know, it just goes to show how really good John Collins is um, at doing just that. Uh, because you, you, I so mean, when you, you go back at, to that, who are players league? that you think are good in that light, and who are who's bad in that light? Like, you know, who who's worse? Who's it's worse not, in their regular season numbers, and who's better than their regular season numbers? Well, just take somebody like, um, Pascal Siakam. 
you know, because he was mm-hmm. frustrating me throughout the throughout the Sixers series. I'm with you. Uh, Sixers Raptors, um, where you saw his limitations as a finisher, where it's a lot of herky jerky, um, you know, floaters. He he really relies on having the overwhelming physical advantage uh, to finish through guys. But when he's going up against life sized people or guys bigger than himself, like he just he was just completely nullified by Joel and Bina. And, you know, it, it's just really noticeable. And and you go back and you just remember that, you know, John Collins against everybody could finish through contact except for two guys, Giannis for the Bucks. He couldn't get past Giannis. And then also from the Magic, uh, he kind of struggled with uh, – I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he – um, the Orlando Magic. I'm blanking on Vooch? his name, and I not Vooch. Uh, they're small. Uh, John, Jonathan Isaac, or, uh, yeah, I, or Aaron Gordon. Get, not not Aaron Gordon, but Jonathan Isaac, because okay. he struggles against that particular type of guy where he's they're longer than he is, and they're just as you know they're in the same athletic stratosphere. Giannis, he just like Giannis and John Collins, like John just had no chance. The two times they played, you know who I thought uh, was kind of somebody Collins struggled with for that reason, just kind of really odd. Who? Uh, Christian Wood, it, it felt like when when yeah, they had yeah, that matchup, same, he struggled. Same body, it's that same body type where right. it it because it, it, it's really odd because like you know he had no trouble against Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis. It's just a certain type of play a body type right. that John struggled with, and there's there's a. There's, there might be less than five guys who are that type of basketball player, but mm-hmm. um, you, I mean, you just notice it because you know we were talking about uh, Pascal for the Raptors, uh, Capella just being unable to do anything if it's not a clear lob. Like that was, I mean, that was the series for the Rockets. The Rockets had no chance. It didn't matter if KD was out the game. Like they they couldn't get anything from Capella because he simply couldn't finish. You know, through contact, he couldn't make a play with the ball in his hand. Um, and so all he had was, you know, easy lob dunks. And, you know, Draymond Green's the, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. He's just not going to give that up. And Capella just had nothing for him. And so it just, like, there's a real difference between between um, elite finishers and, and guys who are just lob catchers. Uh, I, I would actually put, you know, Drummond and Drummond and even like Ben Simmons, guys who struggle to finish through contact um, if it's not an easy, like clear, clear go ahead dunk. And, Gobert, you know, too. That was disappointing. Like, yeah, Gobert. I, I mean, it's not, it's, it's just the limitations of Gobert's game. It's like all season, but he was set like, the Gobert record for dunks. Like, yeah, yeah. And then he went up against, you know, a team that could scheme form we're like okay we're going to take away the lob yep and we're going to force you to put the ball on the floor can you finish through contact and you know go bear for all his gifts is always has always been a bit wonky you know it's not it's it's not fluid with them if if it's not a clear clear runway and yeah. so i hear you like it, it just go like it just goes to show like it this is a tough league, and you know the PJ Tucker, Draymond Green are not going to give you that inch that you are going to you got all throughout the regular season. And, and it's just tough. It's just tough. It's just tough for those guys who aren't the elite elite athletes um, 
to finish through contact in that type of way if they don't have the ball skills. And that's why it was super disappointing to watch Pascal really struggle against Embiid where not only was he bad, but he was also forcing it. And it was re- it almost cost, it almost cost Raptors the series by his inability to just get the ball in his hands and accept the fact that, Hey, I can't finish through Embiid. I have to do something else. And he just, um, and, there's something about him that just, he doesn't look like a basketball player. Like four years from now, he might look fantastic, but in, in, that last series, it's like the passing and, you know, the intuition about when and where to go set a pick and what to do afterwards. Just all of it. He just doesn't look like a fluid he, basketball player. He just, he looks like somebody who's good, like you mentioned, when he has overwhelming physical overmatches against he, someone else. But when he, he didn't, it was a wreck. If he, can get, if he can get out on the break. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, He's got you moves know stuff like that, stuff. you know, yep. dribble. But but you even saw like where he would move. you know grab the rebound and try to dribble up the floor. If option A wasn't there, you know he he always held it for a tick too long. Yep. And that just took snuffed the Raptors' advantage on the break, and so that's the problem with him in, in the sense that he's just too slow as a decision maker. It's you know one of ties back to John Collins. It's what it's what makes John Collins really special is that it's not only is he a great finisher, but he does not. Like he does, the ball is out of his hand. Like that, he makes the right decision quickly. If it's not there, he's going to give the ball up, reset the play. Um, And then another thing to watch is just in general, just how much better Trey Young is at running an offense um, (laughs) than a lot of these guards. A whole lot, almost um, all of playoff. Yeah, I mean Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry has been, you know, Kyle Lowry's been really good in Kyle Lowry's way. Uh, but you see his limitations and his inability to finish around the rim anymore. Yep. He just doesn't have that athleticism. But he's he's still good at running the Raptors' offense and getting everywhere where they need to go. Yep. Uh, out, like, and he did, like, you know, he does he doesn't run the Raptors' offense when push comes to shove. Yeah. Like when it matters, it's yeah, Kawhi. But, hey, Kyle, go stand in the corner. Indeed. indeed. But you know, he can still like he still. There's a noticeable difference when when you say that about him and the Raptors, and then you watch Jamal Murray and the Nuggets, where Jokic Ooh. is really the point guard, and then but you watch Jamal Murray and his decision making is just not where it needs to be as a, as a high level point guard, and you just notice that Trey Young is already making those decisions that that Jamal Murray is struggling with at the moment. So, you know, it's just it's just it's just something to keep an eye on where you, where you're like, hey. You know the Hawks already got two guys who who are already playoff ready, and they're you know they're not even twenty two years old yet. And 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 I want to backtrack for a minute because you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but it's it's something I feel strongly about, which is not just for one series, but in the larger scheme of things, the whole Capella Clint Capella Houston Perry just it's not good. Like he just. Everything about it's really bad. Like offensively, bad. Defensively, bad. Like the only real reason that he even should exist in Houston is because when he doesn't play, they get massacred on the boards. Okay, so I'll grant. I'll, I'm going to grant that. Okay, so you know, fully acknowledging that they're an awful rebounding team when they don't have Clint Capella. But offensively, you know, what's that team's identity? James Harden. Chris Paul, 
space the floor. I mean, really space the floor. Like you've got Eric Gordon spotting up from 28 feet. You initiate a lot of the pick and rolls when you do play pick and roll from 28 feet out. And you've got Harden who, you know, can line up at the three point line, take a step back and shoot from, you know, 25, 26 feet. I mean, everything is predicated on spacing, but at the same time, they don't really want to play pick and roll. You know, they've, they've come up with this whole thing. They're playing math ball. They're trying to draw, draw fouls. Uh, and they want to play in isolation because with Harden being as good as he is, you can do stuff without turning the ball over. So you, you, can, you can play an efficient brand of, of math offense in that way and, you know, not turn the ball over, make a ton of threes, take a ton of threes, uh, you know, and rely on just an overwhelming offensive talent in James Harden. But if you want to do that, you want the floor space. You want to play five out. And you've got Clint Capello, who's just this odd fifth wheel. He can't play five out. He can't space the floor. If you don't play pick and roll with him, he's in the dunker zone. And from the dunker zone, that help defense is just, you know, just a couple of steps away. And so, okay, now you have to play pick and roll whenever he's on the floor, or at least part of the time when he's on the floor. And when you do that, you mentioned before how the whole he can't finish through contact thing wasn't working out. So now you've got this pick and roll guy who can't finish through contact. He showed clearly in this Golden State series, especially, you know, when Kevin Durant was on the floor coming from the corner as a help defender. He can't he can't make the swing pass. Like pick and roll, Kevin Durant comes over as a help defender who's, you know, unbelievably the seven foot offensive wonderkind who can also protect the rim, sort of like Giannis. And so now Capella's got a pass. He has no freaking idea where to put the passes. He's just this clunky thing on offense. And then on defense, you've got this defense that wants to switch. Everything's predicated on switching. Now, they didn't switch on Curry in that last series. And, of course, Curry is an exception to so many rules. But in so many times, they just want to switch everything. And then you've got Capella there. You switch everything, and all of a sudden, you know, what is he good for? Well, he's good for rim protection. Well, if you switch, he's not going to be much of a rim protector. So it's just to make him one of your top three guys in terms of how much money you're paying him is just such a waste. And it's just such I, a lesson I, for the future. Like you look at this Hawks team and it's so crucial. Whoever's going to be the three top guys that you pay, you can't make that kind of mistake. Kevin, I, I don't think paying Capella was a mistake. I think he's still a really good basketball player. I, I'm not going to overreact to one bad series that Capella had. I'm not. Capella was great. I'm not reacting like, to one series. I'm like, just doing the, when, the philosophy. When the Rockets, when the Rockets were the best team in the NBA, you know, had the best record in the NBA last season. Yeah. Uh, Clint Capella was really good. Uh, he had a bad season this year. Um, I don't know what happened with him, but he had a bad season. He wasn't the same athletically throughout the season. He was hurt. He came back. He might have been hurt during this playoffs. I don't really know. I know Capella is a better basketball player than he's shown. Oh, for sure. I that agree with said, that. He is clearly a bad matchup for the Golden State Warriors in particular. And he's a bad matchup because Draymond Green takes away what he does best, which is lob. And not only does Draymond Green take that away, the Golden State Warriors in general take away what the Rockets want to do is run that 2-5 uh, pick and roll with James Harden and Clint Capella. And have Capella dive to the rim to open up the three-point shooting um, where James Harden just flicks, flicks the ball, you know, all the way on the other side of the court for an open corner three-pointer. That's what they want to do. 
But, you know, when you're playing the Warriors and you sp- especially playing, you know, locked in, you know, we're not going to give you an inch to go and stay Warriors. You can't run pick and roll because they're, they're, they're not, they're not going to, they're just either going to switch it or they're going to hard trap, force the ball out of James Harden's hand and force Capella to make a play, which is something he's not good at, but you know, the- right now. It's not saying he can't get better like Capella's. Is he, I'm not sure he's even 25 yet. So I, I like the Rockets paying money on one of their their best young talents. Like I, I don't have a problem with that. The issue is that they they gave a lot of money to Chris Paul. They made a deal with the devil with Chris Paul. They oh, had to sure. do it. Yep. But uh, you know now they're kind of stuck with this roster where you're saying stuff like where you know if you, you just can't be as versatile as you want. The issue is that you know if Capella is not working. Uh, against the Warriors, that well, then we're kind of we're kind of boned. Uh, we, we don't have a plan B, you know, because all our resources are tied up in Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella, and you know, when you're going up against one of the greatest teams in NBA history and the Golden State Warriors, you need every every basketball player you put on the floor to be able to possibly be a positive contributor. And again, like like I, I didn't. I didn't think Capella had problems finishing over Gobert uh, in the Jazz series. I thought he was pretty fine uh, overall. It's just, you know, Draymond Green. Draymond yeah, Green see, is a Utah tough matchup for the guy. Draymond defense. They, their, their scheme was awful because what Golden State – Golden ja- State the, showed the you the Jazz, template. The, Go- the Utah Jazz don't have Draymond Green. They don't have Andre Iguodala. Like, these are – Oh, sure. That's the difference. There's a, there's a clear talent gap between all these teams and the Golden State Warriors. So I, I don't feel comfortable, you know, bagging super hard on Capella uh, when, to me, it's like, well, it's, it's a bad matchup for the dude. Like, Chris Paul was playing like crap until Kevin Durant got hurt. And then Chris Paul played better uh, this last game because Kevin Durant was no longer switching on him and he had to deal with his length anymore. Like, that was a difference. Like, like to me, Chris Paul was able to get to his spots because Kevin Durant was no longer – just switching on them and taking everything good that Chris Paul can do now within his advanced age. So, I mean, like, it's tough. It's tough going to, going up against the Warriors. Like, I grant me, you I, that there's a talent thing there. Okay, sure. The Warriors have an unbelievable amount of talent, but I still think philosophically, from an offensive standpoint, you look at what Houston wants to do and what they can do. And if it's isolation basketball, there's no place to put him. And if you run the 2-5 prick and roll, like you're saying, you throw the hard trap, you stay at home as long as you can on the corner shooters, and you make it so that he's catching the ball in space 12 feet from the rim, and he's trying to make a play in that mid-range. He's not a, you know, he doesn't have a floater. He's not a good shooter. He can't make a play off the dribble, and yeah, he doesn't have an instinct Kevin, for where to Kevin, pass it. Kevin. We're 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 we are debating like there's only one team that can play the Rockets this way defensively. It's the oh, Warriors. That's true. Every other team, every other team plays them relatively traditionally because they don't have somebody like Draymond Green. Like they just don't. I don't think that's true. And Capella like, can finish can finish through those guys. My, my thing with talking about Capella compared to John Collins, like John Collins, it wouldn't matter what scheme they did if John Collins had a crease. It's an automatic two points. John Collins that, can that's pass. John point. Collins can dribble. Capella can't do those well, yeah. things. Yeah, but you know, that's a difference. Capella can get like Capella can definitely get better in the passing game. 
but that's but that's beside the point. Like I I don't think like that's a good contract that the Rockets got Capella on. Like he's a good basketball player, flat out. You know, and he does a lot for what the Rockets need to do for eighty two plus games during the regular season and then gets he's just not he's just not for the Warriors. He's he's just it's just a bad matchup for him as a basketball player. Like that's like I I don't I don't see I don't see Capella as a massive mistake like you do. I I, I just okay. don't. And also, like, if they would have lost Capella, like, well, they weren't going to replace him with anything because they're capped out. Like, they're, they're already right. paying everybody a sure. billion dollars. So. But, like, they're in that capped out state, it would not surprise me if Maury, you know, if he could make a move, tried to do something where he swapped out Capella for, for something that he thought was more viable. But we'll see. Uh, it's interesting because you met, you mentioned, okay, well, the war, maybe this is a segue here. You know, the Warriors, they're, they're the only team that could play that way. I would like to think that Milwaukee could play that way. If, if Brooke Lopez wasn't on the floor uh, and, you know, Bud seems very hesitant to do so. Like he was really hesitant in game one to, to play that sort of way. Uh, you know, he, he wants to play the t- traditional Bud ball, uh, but you know, go into this series now, Milwaukee, Toronto. What do you expect out of the Bucks in terms of how they approach playing defense against Toronto? Well, I think in general, this series is going to come down to who can make their open threes. Um, you know, Toronto was embarrassingly bad in the Sixers series. Right. So they might have some positive regression uh, going on for them. Uh, during the in the Bucks, even though the Bucks are are a be- much are a better defensive team, even though you know that Sixers team when they were locked in were really good, and you know when they they limited their rotation to just six guys, yeah. And Mike Scott, you know they they were a tough out for the Raptors, and so with the Bucks, you know it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't. I think the Bucks should be favored. Uh, it's probably sixty forty uh, their way, but you know, I mean, Kawhi can go on one of these hot streaks, and like, I, I don't know if the Bucks have anybody that can stop Kawhi. Uh, just due to the fact that Giannis, for all his gifts as a defensive player, like at the end, of, he, he struggles to get through screens, and you know, the Raptors are going to make it their mission to get. As long as Kawhi's not being guarded by Giannis, he should have the physical advantage over anybody sure. that goes up against him. So, you know, that those are going to be where they get points. And then on the other end, if the if, like if Brook Lopez doesn't make his threes, then he simply can't play. You can't play him. Um, and but if you're not playing Brook Lopez, now all of a sudden, you know, the Raptors aren't. You know, Pascal Siakam kind of has a lane uh, to get to the rim. Uh, you know, without having that lumbering, you know, Brook Lopez around the rim anymore, you know, it, it might help the Raptors finish around the rim if Brook Lopez is, is in the game, and it might also help them on the glass if they play big again. You know, I, I thought that Ibaka Siakam at the three, Kawhi Leonard lineup at the two was really insightful, and I was, I mean, I, it worked. It right. worked. They had the Sixers you know, are such a weird team. Though. That's it's yeah, it feels a little matchup dependent. Yeah, but here's the thing. It, it works because Kawhi Leonard is such a dominant ISO player. Oh, sure. That, you know, it, 
you know, it doesn't matter that the spacing isn't great. So what? Like, if, if Kawhi's going to get an open mid-range jumper, that's a, that's two points. You know, that's a good possession for the Raptors. And so, you know, if, if the Raptors go with that lineup and, and try to, you know, beat him up on the glass, if Brooke Lopez is unable to stay on the floor, you know, that, that might be an advantage that the, the Raptors have on, on that end. So it's it's going to be an interesting series. I, I think it's – but like I said, I think it's ultimately – because like Kawhi and Giannis are both want to show up and get their numbers and play well. Right. It's going to come down to will the Bucks make the open three pointers, which what is which is what they did against right. the, against the uh, Celtics. Are they going to do it against the Raptors, a better defensive team? Who you know they're not going to get the looks that they got against the Celtics. Uh, they they have you know they have guys they they have multiple guys they can put on Giannis, including Kawhi. Um, that that you know won't just. You know, whereas the Celtics only had Al Horford, you know, right. the Raptors go Siakam, they can go Kawhi, they can yep. go Gasol, it's OG, Anunoby's back, they can go with him. Just just yep. guys who are big bodies who can be in the way and contest them athletically where it's just making it difficult. Um, well, you said it's going to come so down to shooting threes. Like, I don't trust the Raptors in that regard at all because if you look at who's going to get the open threes from the Raptors, it's going to be Siakam. It's going to be Gasol. Siakam couldn't make a Got shot it. against the Sixers and just generally looks terrible trying to make threes. Gasol, he doesn't look like he wants to even take them. Like he's just he's choking off those shots and turning them into passes instead. And that just seems like it's going to play right into what Budenholzer wants to do, which is you know make sure that he has a ton of help at the rim so that Kawhi's going to get his regardless, but. You know, he's going to try to make it so that it's not coming at the rim. Giannis is going to be able to help off Siakam. Lopez is going to be able to help off Gasol. They're going to they're going to make a cluster at the rim if Bud gets his way and those threes aren't falling for the bigs. And so then it's, you know, Kawhi trying to get stuff in the mid-range and probably not a whole lot in other places. And I, I think that really favors Milwaukee, and I think it's going to be a short series. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I and think, I love Kawhi. I, I mean, think, I think he's probably the best player in the series, but you know, with Giannis um, obviously having a better season, I just think Kawhi, God damn. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the Raptors team are pretty talented. Like to me, I, I think this is going oh, to be, sure. this is going to be a long series. I, 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 I don't think this is going to be short series. Um, you know, Gasol's too, I think Gasol's just too good of a basketball player. He's, he's not going to just let He's not going to let the Bucks scheme him out, uh, and you know it for all of Brook Lopez's strengths as a basketball player. Right. You know Embiid is a much better athlete in general. I think Gasol will get cleaner looks uh, against Brook Lopez than what he got against Embiid. Even you know even though right. he was oh, still sure. open both times, I I think there's a there's a comfort level going up against uh, Brook Lopez um, athletically. Whereas Embiid kind of made him hesitant uh, based on how Gasol shoots his jumpers. So I kind of you know, like see, from Milwaukee again, too. Like, and you'd think that the 76ers would do better in this regard, but I don't think they did. It's just that, you know, you mentioned that, that Brooke Lopez isn't going to be terribly playable if he isn't making those shots. But at the same time, just the whole way that they play offense with him shooting from those distances they have the best transition defense in the league. And I think if they take that away from Toronto, 
with just Lopez being an instant get back guy, seven foot, you 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 protect the rim on every single transition defense opportunity. I, I think Lopez helps him a lot in that regard too. And Embiid philosophically, you know, theoretically should do that. I don't think he did in the last series. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. Or um, well, he didn't, but you know, he'd wear down uh, towards the end of games just due to you know his conditioning problems that are well documented. But um. Yeah, uh, I, I think this Bucks, like to me, this Bucks Raptors series is going to be, you know, I think it's going to be seven. I think it's going to be close. It's going to come down to individual shot making, and I, I, I think, I think, like the Bucks aren't going to get the clean looks they got against the. Uh, the Bucks just aren't going to get the clean looks they got against the Celtics. Oh, uh, they they true. have more better defensive talent. Kawhi Leonard. At the end of the day, it's just such a force of nature on both ends of the floor. Like it, it's just going to be difficult, and it's just going to yeah. come down to individual shot making, um, for better or for worse. But I think overall, the Bucks just have more options, more guys they can go to, more guys they can rely on on both ends of the floor. Yeah, um, and I think that'll give them the edge. Uh, yeah, there were times against against Boston that Milwaukee just relied on Chris Middleton to carry them. And when he's being guarded by Kawhi in this series, that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's like it's going to be like I think it's going to be real interesting. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry, Eric Bledsoe, like the series could ultimately come down to those two guys. Who, yeah. who has the better? Bledsoe had a great series, series against are... Boston. That I don't trust him one bit. <laughs> yeah, and, but you know, on the plus side, the Bucks have if George Hill is revitalized and remembers how to play basketball, like that's. You know, yep. that's a boost. So, yep. you know, better than, it, better than anybody be, coming off the Toronto bench. Uh, yeah. If especially if OG is, you know, yeah, well, he'll, be, he'll be freshly back. If, yeah, yeah, prob- probably. Uh, all things considered, hey, we could talk about Hawks. Has a better boost. We, we could talk about former Hawk Jeremy Lin. Should he should he be playing for the Raptors? No, <laughs> he's too e- he's too easy a mark. On the on defense, is he? And it's just not worth. W- worse than Van Vliet. Game. I would actually trust uh, him on yeah. defense more than Van Vliet. I think from no, what I've seen. No, no, Van, Van Vliet's a better defender. I I know it looks bad because you know he he went up against okay uh, a team that doesn't have a point guard, but you know okay. even still they could put Van Vliet on JJ Redick and get reasonable defense plus defense from him. Uh, Jeremy Lin is not a good basketball player anymore. Like, he was really bad. He's a pretty good defender, though. Don't you think? I thought he was no, pretty, pretty good no, defender. No, 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 no. He's, he's a terrible defender. Uh, like, I think he's, you're overstating he was bad I'm probably overstating it the other way, but okay. Uh, you know, Trey Young made him look pretty good, but then he went to the Raptors and he was, he was bad. Uh, so, okay. So, that's uh, something to not keep an eye on. A- anything else like, from Raptors, uh, Bucks, that needs mentioning? Uh no, I think I think we got all the bases covered. I, I think it's going to be an exciting series. It's going to be more exciting than this Portland Golden State. Yeah, you sounded like you didn't have Golden, a whole lot to say here. I mean, there's nothing to say. Uh, the Trailblazers, like I'm watching the game right now. I've seen Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum guard try to guard Steph Curry, and it's worked out as well as you would expect. Wait, I thought we were He's doing this blind. You're cheating and watching. Uh. You know, I'm, the game, the Brave game is over, so I can do that. 
All right. Well, I'm still rolling blind here. For anybody who's listening and wondering, anybody who made it this far into the podcast, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Do you, do you think at the at again? I'm I'm rolling blind here. At the end of the last series, Portland relied more heavily on Zach Collins because Amini wasn't doing much. Harkless wasn't I mean, doing Zach much. Collins is, Zach Collins is not good. But is, is he immeasurably, immeasurably better than Aminu and Harkless? Uh, no. No? Not. Oh, oh, I Zach don't know Collins that. Worked against the, Zach Collins worked against the Nuggets because, again, the perimeter players for the Nuggets don't know how to play basketball. <laughs> the, the Golden State Warriors. Which ones? Again, all of them. They don't know. Like, but the Torrey Golden State Craig? Warriors, like, Steph, uh, Tory Craig is not good offensively. I'm, okay, I'm offensively. Talking about Defensively, yeah. he knows what he's doing. So, uh, okay. good. Yeah, like, you know, Zach Collins is just a foul machine. And, you know, Steph Curry is just too smart for, for that dude. Like, and so is Clay Thompson. And so is Draymond Green. Again, like, they don't even need Kevin Durant. The Warriors don't, like, I, I hate it for Portland. They've had a great season and very resilient, but uh, there's just a clear talent gap uh, between these two teams, and it's just going to be a route. Okay. So uh, I, I didn't pin you to anything on that last series. You said it's going to go seven. Uh, who's winning in seven yeah. out, out of Bucks raptors if we backtrack a sec? I'll go with Bucks. Okay. Um, I think they have more, just more guys who, who Buck can rely on, and, you know, they they have the home court advantage and all that good good stuff. So I, I think I think they're going to be an edge, but it could come down to a last second shot. And I mean, there's nobody in this NBA I trust more with the ball in their hands who needs to get a shot up than Kawhi Leonard. Like, I mean, he's he's got one of the best jump shots in the NBA. It's not talked about, right? Uh, what well, I, I guess it's talked about now. It's weird. It's, it's kind of like a line it's drive. A, it's 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 like a little late. I yeah, don't. I'm really like impressed with how great, he makes that without hitting front rim and back rim more with the trajectory that he, he takes. Gets, he gets such great rotation on the ball, though. It's just like he's a great shooter. Like it feels he, like, yeah, it, it it just feels like he's going to make it every time he takes it, even through contact. Like, yeah, um, I mean, it's so, unbelievably repeatable. Like, I would say mechanical, but like, I mean, mechanical in the good sense because it like. Looks exactly freaking the same every single time he shoots it. Exactly. But I, I can't. I'm still flabbergasted by how he gets the distances right. Like maybe he has just you know robotic like 28 vision or something like that. You know, just something incredible in, in terms of how he sees. Because I, God, it's just amazing that he can get the distances right with that trajectory. It's, it's, it's really, it's stunning. I would say. I, I don't know. I, I find it super interesting to watch every single time I watch them play. Yeah, he, he reminds me of Michael Jordan in the sense that's that... That's true, yeah. You know, not, in the sense that of how physical he is in the mid-range. Like, yep. he's a physical bat. He's a physical dribbler. He gets guys out. He's one of the strongest players in the NBA, period. And that's part and that's of the why, reason it works without why, trajectories because he jumps high. Like, he gets in that mid-range, and yep. then he's using his height, he's he using his wingspan and his vertical to get up and then just line drive it right in. And before that, he gets the guy off him with, you know, a power dribble, you know, drop step, pull up, mid-range jumper, and it's it's money. 
and because because of its consistency and the rotation he gets on the ball, like it's just you know it, it's just great to watch. So and that's why I give the Raptors, uh, I guess I give the Raptors a better chance than you do in the sense that you know at the end of the day I I don't think the Bucks have anybody that can that can you know I don't think there's anybody in the NBA that can really handle Kawhi Leonard. Right. And so like just an ability to get easy buckets. That's something the Bucks may struggle with if their three point shots aren't falling. Like that that's something to look out for. It's just that, you know, for all of Giannis's gifts, he can't really shoot. Right. Uh yep. and Kawhi can. Yep. And so when when the game gets tight, what are the Bucks going to do if Chris Middleton isn't going to be an option? Right. Well, I think Chris Middleton is an option defensively. Like I I think Absolutely. he's better than anybody the Sixers had to guard Kawhi. No, like, Butler's too small. I, I thought, Tobias Harris is awful. Simmons is ben pretty Simmons good, but really I think good. I think Middleton could be better. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm uh, silly. They're, 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 Chris Middleton might be a very overrated defender if, if, if we're saying this, because I thought Ben Simmons played some great defense on okay. Kawhi, and it just didn't matter. All right. And uh, Chris Middleton is not the athlete that Ben Simmons is, so. All right. Heck, I thought so. Bucks I thought and seven. I, I dragged you back to this series. I didn't mean to make you linger here for another, however many. Minutes. I mean, no. It's it's a, it's an interesting series. Like it's it's a series I was most looking forward to. Just due to well, the fact that. that you know, it's so rare to get two guys. But isn't there something we can guys. say about the other series? No. What what's it to say? Steph Curry's going to go for forty every night because the Portland Trailblazers don't have perimeter defenders that can check them. It really sucks. And then on the other pitch. end, like here's the problem: like on the the Warriors can hide Steph Curry, Portland can't hide Damian Lillard, and like it's just it's just that simple. Like it, there's nothing the Trailblazers can do about this. Uh, they need they need Mo Harkless to be a better basketball player offensively, and he's not. So I said Warriors in five. Theory. Do you do you want to put a number? Uh, Warriors and four. It's going to be a Warriors and four. Damn. All right. They might. They should. They should not lose a game by double digits. Like they should win every game by double digits. Should they like deliberately get Draymond a couple of technicals so that he gets his automatic suspension over with in the conference finals? Uh, I mean, does Draymond <laughs> not like money? I don't understand. Oh, money doesn't matter. It should. He's, he's it got should. a big payday coming this summer. Right. Couple, 25 grand here and there is not not a difference maker if it means he's ready and in the clear for the finals. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Any, I, anything else from the series? That, I, I'm trying, but yeah, I kind of agree with you. No, nah, I don't. Yeah, okay. I'm tapped out on, on, on this series, yeah. All right. So I think we've made it all the way around. Lottery. Odds and ends, past playoffs, future playoffs. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, the Knicks made off well. Good for them. Nobody cares about the Knicks. And really, whatever they made off with. Half they, the country cares about the Knicks. Yes, but whatever they do, they'll manage. You know, if something good happens, they'll they'll find a way to balance it out through uh, lack of managerial talent, so the Knicks will find a way. Wow. Radio silence. Uh, maybe. 
<laughs> All right, Tyler. Uh, we'll have to do this again soon. We're going to have to do some draft stuff now that we know it's 810, but I've neglected my yeah, homework. Yeah, I got, so I got nothing not else ready. to add. I'm, I'm kind of done. Yeah. It's homework time. All right, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kevin. Bye.